Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. Here we cover all things whitetail property design, habitat improvement, and hunting strategy. Let's change your property for good. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. I've got Mr. Sam Billhorn of Whitetail Partners, Wisconsin, Lee Dixon, Whitetail Partners, Tennessee, and Greg Kazmierski, Whitetail Partners, Ohio. Gentlemen, good to see you this evening. Hey, hey. Happy to be you here. You guys are, uh, y'all are a lot quicker to respond to that than the last episode when I asked about where are all the deer that you guys have shot. <laughs> y'all, y'all hesitated on the last one. Now we're talking about the future, so we're all optimistic and we're ready to go. <laughs> that answer. blind optimism has has set in again. So, uh, guys, it's hard to believe we're recording this early. Obviously, we're a couple of weeks out right now from where we're sitting, but it's hard for me to even think about the fact that we are planning now for late season hunting. It breaks my heart. I'm in the middle of my rutcation right now. I have had a lot of good hunting, have really, really enjoyed it. I want to know, how do you guys feel about hunting the late season? Guys have a love-hate relationship with it. Some people love it. Some people can't stand it. Some people are like, yeah, do it because I'm successful. Where do you guys stand? Greg, let's start with you. Uh, I like the late season, personally. I feel that it's harder initially to get back onto the deer, but I feel like when you find them and they're in that safe place, especially when you're talking about if you're, if you have a really good quality food source on your property, 
uh, and that just holds the deer and you have a good tight bedding area, it's just kind of hard to beat it. Cause if you are where the deer are, they're not going to go anywhere because they're there because they're safe. And then you can kind of wait it out. And I always like to play the weather in the late season. So if I know I have the cover and the food, I just kind of sit around and take a look at the weather app. And whenever that big storm's coming in, that's when I usually start to plan my attack. And I just, I feel like there's a lot of really good opportunities to get a crack at a really good deer during that late season, probably more than any other part, honestly. Right, right. Leo, I want to come to you last uh, for this question. And and there's a reason for it. There's a reason behind it. I want to get Sam's take real quick, though. Sam, how do you feel about the late season? Well, I'm always optimistic about every season, but... Yeah, and, and Lee, the late late comes later, so you just got to hold on. It, it's it's a little bit later on for you and Josh down there. But yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd echo a lot of what Josh said, or excuse me, what Greg said. Great points about cold weather, food source. You know, I I uh, hunt a piece of ground that's we've worked pretty well and have great food sources. So I always look at it and say, really, once the rut is done and we're uh, getting past that point in time i'm eager well in a lot of us if we're, we haven't chased that one down yet and for me i'm usually always chasing the top one percent of the deer i have on my property that's kind of how i operate but if we haven't found them yet we're eager to grab that firearm and for us in wisconsin it's uh it's the nine day gun deer season which is um rifle in most places, but then also muzzle loader and i really like that muzzle loader season because that is um, that, that's a special time when most people are done, you know, the, the, they retreat their, their, their hunt is over with and very small percentage of people use a muzzle loader in Wisconsin, which is, I love the season and you have a good quality property that you've left undisturbed then since that rut, they get back into those feeding patterns and then you really can have some special hunts, uh, later on, throw a little bit of snow into the mix and, you got a recipe for a really good hunt. Yeah, very good. Lee, I want to come to you now, and here's the reason I wanted you to go last, because both of these guys alluded to the weather, and they both mentioned the big storms. You get the winter storms coming. You get the snow coming. Uh, Lee, how do you feel about late-season hunting? And number two, what role does weather play? Because – I don't think you're getting too many blizzards there in Tennessee. <laughs> no, we're not getting any blizzards. You know, you twisted our arm on a couple of, uh, you know, podcasts earlier that you said, <laughs> what would be the one week that you would hunt? You know, and I chose late season. I said December 1st. That is my absolute favorite time. Now, I will say this. You know, if you have a target buck on your property that you want precision strikes, he's a resident buck. He's living there. Obviously, if you get to late season, you kind of start getting in that post rut. It's it's risky for that deer because he's going to start seeking that uh, that last receptive doe, and he may be a mile from you. That's when you'll lose your resident buck is in that post season. So that's your risk. If you have a resident buck, definitely need to kill him early if you can. But what I do love in the situation I'm in now, I've got a lot of deer that are really primed for next year. They need to live one more year. Uh, to get them in that age class I want. So this late season, I really, really love when I don't have a resident target buck, 
but I am looking forward to killing my neighbors that's about to move off, you know, and, and I'm going to inherit. Yeah. I'm confident yep. that I'm going to inherit a buck that I have not seen. And y'all know this, but pre-rut, you know, and then, you know, the bucks have a lot of their wits about them early season. You know, they still have a lot of their wits. They're really sharp. They're really, you know, paying attention. They're trying to survive. As you get through, you know, in the peak rut, they're starting to lose that. Post-rut, when there's fewer, fewer receptive does, their wits are about gone. And they are losing it. And they're losing their mind. And they, you can intrude on your property uh, in places you haven't been all year. Um, so, anyways, I love food sources. I love, this is why you keep your food plots fresh for this time. Uh, yeah, weather's a big deal. We still have cold fronts, right? I mean, we... They're not like y'all's, um, but we had a you know three month rifle season that's consecutive in Tennessee. I say that a lot, but it's re it's reality. Um, man, I'm telling you, a lot of people they really hunt hard through Thanksgiving and then they're done. They're leaving the woods and they're leaving at a really really prime time. Here's one thing I do want to say about this that you need to pay attention to. Always pay attention. And do your fawn inventory. If you if you know where your fawns are, dude, I'm telling you, it's one of the hottest games in town on these food plots because when these bucks start chasing these fawns and they start coming in, those fawns get nervous and they don't know where to go. They're not like a seasoned doe that stays in cover. They blow into the field. And a lot of times those fawns will just drag them right out of the field. So I keep up with my fawn inventory. Uh, you know, for, for post-season, I mean, post-rut, sorry, not post-season. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really gave my secret away there. <laughs> that's how, that's how Lee kills so many big deer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> wait till season's over, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to get a March 3rd, Lee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, no, I, it is my favorite time, guys. Definitely. I mean, it really is. I love post-season. Bucks just make a lot of mistakes. Definitely, if you like, I said, you're keeping those food plots fresh all season. This is this is when you sit on the plot. Uh, this is when those non-residents are coming back. You know, to that food source, they're coming back to their homes. Uh, our season ends like middle the end of January now, so we get that that all of that movement. You just, you see what I'm saying? So uh, I love it. It's one of my favorites. December 1st, guys, if you're listening and you're in Tennessee and you're not in the woods, that first week of December, you are missing out. Mm. That's, all, that's all. I'll leave it with that. Good stuff, Lee. Well, hey, when it comes to hunting late season, right, I, I think as Greg was alluding to there, there is a lot of opportunity. If you can, if you can locate the deer, right, like if you haven't uh, pressured your property too hard and, and, you know, it's a, it's not a ghost town. If you've given, if you're able to give them some time after the rut, let them, as Sam was saying, get back into those feeding routines. Uh, yeah, great opportunity to get in there and find some deer. However, I have found late season is also a pretty challenging game when it comes to, uh, you know, the woods are more open than ever before. A uh, blanket of snow on the ground does not necessarily help uh, when you're trying to get in and out un, uh, undetected you know, for, for sound reasons, or even just for, for sight. I mean, you've, you've got locations where, boy, you can really, really see a long way. And those deer, the reality is, have been hunted for a really, really long time at this point. 
And it seems like they can be more skittish than ever. So they definitely don't have the vibe of, of an early season deer, unless you've got enough ground that they're just totally feeling unpressured. Um, tell me a little bit about some of your favorite strategies when it comes to accessing your ground during late season to make sure that you're keeping it, keeping it fresh. I feel like for myself, what I really like to do is just try to find those key areas of deer, of deer movement. Cause I feel like that deer movement gets really consistent wherever that bed to food travel is in the late season. I feel like they're going to use that very frequently. And if I can figure that out, I can kind of adjust my access around that. So if I know that they're pretty consistently using one ridge top to get from the bed to the food, and then I can, even if it means circling way around it, I'll take that extra long route because by doing that, it keeps me out of where they're walking. And then I can kind of plan my setup around that. So I just think trying to figure out where they're consistent, because I think they are more consistent in the late season and just trying to use that to your advantage, planning your access around that. Right. That's a good point. Very good point. Um, Oh, go ahead, Sam. Do you have yeah, something? All I was going to add to that is there are some stands I, I wouldn't choose that I, that I would have been in, like, say, a rut stand, for example. You, I'm starting to retreat back to the edges, much like you do in early season, in that you don't want to be disturbing those bedding to food patterns. Um, and because, uh, as you indicated, the woods is so open, there's areas you can't sneak in and out of nearly as well as you could have in the early season. So access is probably most challenging in late season, um, which a lot of times, as I indicated, and especially using firearms, you're staying further back, having um, a little bit more protected of a hunt. I'm going to be headed to a blind more often than I'm not and utilizing some of those setups rather than necessarily getting in a tree. And that's not for everybody. Some people are archery hunters the whole year long and they never pick up a firearm. So there's different strategies for different folks. That's what we do at my farm. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I, um, Sam, when I lived in Wisconsin, I got out for some late season hunting. And uh, I was out one day and it was negative four degrees. And a doe came out and I was going to take a late season doe. And I went to draw my bow back and it made sounds that I've never heard come from a bow before. I thought I was going to snap it in half. I ended up missing the doe. Um, but after that, I, 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 I said, you know what? No more negative temps for me. Like that, that was enough. I'm not going to do, uh, I'm not going to be doing any late season hunting here in Wisconsin that's, anymore. That's what the heater's for, Josh. Yeah. See, I was in a tree saddle. That was my first mistake. I was in a, I was in a yeah. saddle instead of. Yeah. instead of a cozy blind. So uh, let's start talking about food sources, right? Obviously, so much of it revolves around food. For us, Georgia, Ohio, Wisconsin, Tennessee, there's a lot of differences there of what those food sources might be and what that might look like. So, Lee, let's start with you. Favorite food sources or what you're keying in on for the late season? So I like blends. You know, I like grains and greens. Um I do plant a lot of brassicas still, even though that is usually, they, they hammer the brassicas down south, literally, you know, it's usually post, you know, season. The season's over. Uh, that's when our bad weather gets here. You know, if we're going to have any kind of bad weather, it's usually in February 
you know, right. uh, in late January, February, deer season's over. So I'm more so bridging those nutritional gaps with my brassica. And, and it's usually a blend. Like I know up north, if you say that you're going to blend, you know, brassicas like John Comp would, you know, he'd freak out, you know, because when you have blends in any crop, you know, they compete against each other. That's why farmers keep weeds out of, you know, a certain, you know, if they're planting soybeans, they want to keep weeds out because competition and, you know, you need larger bulbs, you know, up north because it is, you know, life or death for a northern deer versus a southern deer where I'm just br bridging that nutritional gap uh, with the brass because I plant a healthy amount of them every single year, but it's not my go-to plot that I'm going to sit on. I'll probably never even hunt over the brassicas. I'll just go pay attention to, you know, oh, they're eating them now in February. Cool. You know, they actually have a food source. Um, so that's more of like an insurance policy for me in the South, um, in the deep South, but I really like oats. I love wheat. Um, and I love soybeans. I just, man, it's such a, it's a deadly trio, man. Soybeans, uh, I, I really like their protein pack, man. They got the carbs. Um, uh, they're a lot cheaper to plant than corn and, uh, it's, it's really easy. You know, it doesn't take the water that corn does, you know, and usually in the South, we go through quite a bit of heat stress, uh, in the summer. So I just find that a soybean with the right, you know, if it's a loamier soil, that soybeans are really good comboed with those wheats, uh, and, uh, you, know, you use cereal rye or man, a, a buck forage oat is just one of the most powerful things that I've, I've ever planted. Uh, an oat is just oat and beans if you just want to say hey pick two that's my two yep that's a good point i was going to bring that up here in just a little bit those buck forage oats for the late season for us have been absolutely killer absolutely dynamite uh sam some of your uh some of your late season food source go-to's so lee mentioned it there with the brassicas i do like to see those especially if we get snow um one of my favorite things to see is the deer just turn that snow into like a moonscape digging through it to get to those bulbs. And that, that definitely happens, especially into December. Uh, once we get a good snowfall, uh, that we'll see that occur. Uh, it's hard to beat beans, um, late season standing above the snow, especially if you got, um, a, you know, they, they were not browsed too heavily early on and you just you have a fair amount of pods, uh, corn also, uh, that has its place. And, you know, I like to see all three of those really, um, obviously the, the clovers, the chicories, the, you know, some of the perennial stuff that's buried and, uh, really gone in the snow, uh, is not as good as all of those things I've mentioned. So for the late season part, um, I'm looking to my brassica fields, uh, beans and corn, if you have them, uh, those, those are really good in my plots. Uh, my premier plot, I'll call it my main plot. I, I have, uh, we do have an archery area we can get at, uh, we, we still have successful archery hunts, but it is set up for firearms as well. And having long strips within that plot of the different types that I've mentioned, we want to have the diversity within that location. You know, they might be on one strip or the other, but I can touch every single one of them with my muzzle loader. Very nice. Very nice. Greg, late season food sources. Um, I think I'll just 
touch on corn. I think the cut corn where I'm at, I see a lot of activity in there late season. Um, we have our muzzleloader season here in Ohio. It's like right around the first week of January usually. So we usually get a nice little front that pushes through with it. And you get like a lot, it's like almost sometimes out in those cut cornfields, you can mistake it for it being the first week of November. It's just, there's deer running each other around like crazy. And uh, they just get really comfortable there because a lot of the times uh, that corn is planted really close to these thick drainages, which hold like the last bit of security cover in the ag country. So I just really like focusing on those. It's a good thing to kind of eliminate all of the other options down to just that and then focus my plan of attack around that one singular food source. Uh, I find it just trying to keep it simple instead of trying to decide, okay, what are they eating? Let me just say, okay, what corn is going to be eaten by the deer? And then I can kind of plan my attack around there. Very good. Very good. I'll throw in a couple, um, you know, obviously buck forage oats are going to be king in our plots. Uh, I hunt so far south. I mean, our, our property is, I think, 20 miles north of the Gulf of Mexico. So uh, we've got we've got clovers mixed in that are doing great that time of year. Um, and of course for us, there really is no late season cause the rut kicks in late January and into early February. And so, you know, our season ends February 10th. So we're, we're peak rut, you know, when the season goes out, but um, I'll say it because I'm living in Georgia, right? Uh, I think this is the, not the, the official slogan of Georgia is if you ain't baiting, you're going to be waiting. And so for those who are allowed to in your specific states, this is an excellent time. You get post-rut into the late season. It is an excellent time for those bucks to start to return to your feeders in daylight or at least catch them on movement patterns heading there. If you've got your feeders in the appropriate locations, that may be, you know, the first food source that they're going to stop at. It may not be where they end up. They may not spend a lot of time there but they are going to stop at those bait stations on the way out to either your larger food plots. They'll stop at the bait stations, sniff around for whatever does have congregated there during the day. Maybe they can catch one last one. So um, I don't run a ton of bait stations, but I will say we've got three or four. And, uh, you know, every year we can count on later in the season, they get a little bit better as the time goes on. You get that big cold front, you can certainly bank on getting some daylight activity around those. So, um, yeah. So, all right, let's talk uh, late season comfort. Uh, what are you guys doing to, to make sure that you're actually able to, to pull off a hunt? I know um, I killed my, I've got to, I've got to share this. This, this, this is just a personal story, right? I killed my very first deer January 30th of 2001 or two. I'm in 2002. Um, it was 71 degrees that day for us. I was sweating sitting there. So things are a little bit different uh, for some of us than others. But what are you doing late season to make sure that you're able to stick it out for, for the hours necessary? And with that, are you hunting mornings at all? I'll jump on that. Uh, mornings on small kill plots where they're returning, much like that summer pattern of bed to food, food to bed in the morning, you can catch them. And I have some of my small little kill plots are very consistent morning pictures. And if I have a cell cam on there and I'm seeing a few morning pics, I'm, I'm starting to think about a morning. 
usually most of those uh, late season hunts are evenings. We all know and think about that. We talk about food sources and them coming out, but those tiny little kill plots, uh, keep an eye on them. And if you have a cell cam, that's a great place for them because some of these bigger bucks, um, they get, I think Lee touched on this earlier, they start to get a little sloppy, a little lazy, cut corners, and you can catch them. And that's a good way to do it. Um, I'll touch on the, the comfort piece too. Um, one of the things I discovered in recent years, and really it shouldn't have waited, and I advise people now on this, is buy quality clothing. And, mm. you know, it is an investment. If you love hunting, you love your land. Um, I, I have a pretty extensive uh, clothing system with Sitka, and there's many good brands out there. You can I could name them all, and, and I don't have one thing or the other to say about one being better or this or that they all have there's we know what those quality brands are and i i love it it's very comfortable i can be down into the single digits in comfort and uh with a you know proper setup and and as temperature climbs i can uh, lose some clothes or if it drops i can gain them and i think knowing your temperature ranges for your body and what you're comfortable with uh, with those various systems that you might buy, um, they're worth doing. They're, they're very good. Right. Right. Lee comfort and mornings. Uh, well, I'm an evening guy and I like, I like, uh, I'm an evening guy afternoon. I'd say comfort, you know, this is when I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm hunting a lot of those food sources and most of my food sources have a really, really good box blind. Like I, you know, early season, I, I'm, I don't like sitting in a box. You know, I like, you know, part of, you know, what I do when I'm, when I'm hunting, I like seeing nature. You know, I'm not just deer hunting. I'm, I'm enjoying nature. It's kind of my release. So sometimes you don't get that release if you just hunt out of box stands all year. So, uh, you know, I really like hunting my boxes late season over those food sources. Uh, these food sources are a hot item, you know, late season. And you've got more deer on that food plot than you will have all season because um, everything else has ran out so that box i think is you know pretty pretty vital um for your scent control you know, it's a little bit easier on scent control you get into a little bit more of a deer 360 scenario sometimes you know they're animals they're going to do things that you don't expect definitely when you've got a ton of them in a food plot um so i really like staying in those boxes uh, late, late season keeps me warm. I'm comfortable. Uh, and I've got a little bit better scent control and I really like taking the kids and the, you know, family members out there that time of year too, because you just see so much in stacked in that plot. So, but I'm an evening guy, uh, late, late season. Yeah, man, that, that's a really good point you brought up there, Lee. It's a wonderful time to bring folks who either, you know, bring kids, bring new hunters, even, who are interested in getting into the sport, bring somebody out for their first deer, get them a couple of does. I mean, um, a lot of us probably have some doe tags left over when you get to the end of the season. So go ahead and take a couple of does off your place. Greg, comfort and mornings. Um, so I'll start with the mornings. Uh, I have hunted mornings in the late season. I definitely need something to back it up. I'm not just going to go through a blind set in the morning, but I have, gotten my fair share of trail cam picks of bucks that are doing something pretty consistent as we've touched on here and it happens to be at uh you know 10 to 8 in the morning and 
if it if it makes sense and I feel like I got a chance, I'll definitely go out there and try to make it happen. But if I don't have something like that, I'm not going to just go out there for the sake of it. Um, you know, I'd rather wait, if anything, until later in the morning and go out and walk around and let the ground warm up a little bit. Um, as far as comfort goes, I feel like I, I get a little hard headed sometimes and, you know, I try to get tougher than tougher than the cold and um, just sit it out whenever, whenever I can. And, uh, I still, I still rock it out in the tree stand late in the season and, um, just kind of deal with it. And obviously it helps like Sam touched on about having good quality clothing. You know, I definitely have my warm gear on and, uh, but it gets cold sometimes, sometimes when I, uh, make my trips North and hunt later in the year, it, it can be tough, but, um, just, just another, another part of the experience is how I look at it. Right. Right. I, uh, something you, you said there kind of, I guess, reminded me or pointed me to, uh, one of the things that I really like, uh, when it comes to late season is for, for us down here in the South, at least where I'm at, um, bedding cover has, has reduced, right? It's like throughout the year, they're in smaller and smaller and smaller ranges as the foliage changes throughout the year. And for a location like in the South where we don't have a lot of ag, we don't have a lot of large food sources that are, you know, macro influencers of deer movement, um, bedding can seem like oftentimes it's all over the place. I mean, you go look at MSU Deer Lab and some of the studies that they've done that show um, the number of beds bucks, bucks use in the month of November. And it was something like, like 60 something beds throughout the course of November. Most of them he never returned to. And that wasn't during the rut. Their rut is not until December. So this is a, this is an early season buck, right? So as you get into the later season in places where it feels like, wow, we've got bedding everywhere. Like where could these deer possibly be? Well, when you get to the late season, those bedding sources or bedding locations are consolidated. Um, And one of the big things that you can really begin to get into is, you know, for us down here in the South, Red oaks actually become a become a, a good source of late season food again. We actually have oak trees down here that will be dropping in December, January, on into late January, even certain species of uh, of of oak trees. So, you know that that's just another another food source that that you can be keying in on. And then a lot of our oak trees too, they're so full of tannin that they just get left over and they're there still on the ground later in the season. You'll have the deer swing back through and start picking up on those. So uh, guys, any other late season stuff that we need to cover before we let listeners go? I got one for you, Josh, uh, South, right. South slopes in the North. Uh, what is oh, it? Yeah. Uh, especially if you got adjacent to bedding or excuse me, adjacent to food. That's where my bucks are going to hang up. A lot of times is in the, on those South slopes. You could pursue a morning hunt, getting in there super early, and if you know they're bedding in there, cameras help. Uh, but at the same time, just being aware, maybe that's how you choose that evening hunt. You know, you're going to say, okay, they're bedded up adjacent to that food source, especially paying attention to temperature, wind. You know, I have high and I have low, so if there's a higher wind day, I'm going to be down in my sheltered areas a little bit more. Pay attention attention to some of those environmental things that come into play, especially in the north, uh, can be key on where you choose to hunt uh, that evening set. Yeah, very, very good. That's something that I'm almost ashamed I didn't touch on, Sam. The deer are out there in the elements just as much as we are, right? And they are trying to thermoregulate. 
they're trying to make sure that they, uh, you know, in, in some of you guys' case, that they don't freeze to death. We don't really have that in the South. That's not much of a concern. But um, certainly, like you said, south-facing slopes, uh, areas, if there's a, a good wind break, if it's down out of the wind, um, mm-hmm. bedding locations that are beginning to move into, you know, cuts and drainages and hillsides that are, you know, more secluded and protected. Areas of thick conifers, obviously, are going to be a big late-season bedding location. Um, and I want to I want to emphasize that one because that's something as a habitat manager we can we can work on too. Is I plant hundreds, if not thousands, of conifers every year, and, and we want to have as many of those on our property as we can uh, to help with that late season hold. You know, we want to become that deer yard late in the year, and having conifers where in primarily hardwood settings is where I'm at. Uh, they right. are really helpful in that late season uh, need for bedding for deer. Right. So I want to just briefly, Sam, because we're, we're going to wrap things up here. We're right at the 30-minute mark. Um, I'm curious about the change that you've seen over the years. You've planted so many conifers on your property. What's the difference that is made for your late season holding deer? Uh, to be honest, we're still working on it. They're still small. Okay. I mean, we planted our first tree, I think, maybe on this piece of ground I'm referencing like six years ago and you know they're 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 coming they're on their way uh it's going to be some really good times I think you know 10 years down the line but we're not quite there yet um but you can see the need and you just take one walk through it I, I will say you know some of the timber cuttings that we've done to let some more sunlight in and even that does have some value on the south slopes as I said but also a little bit of thermal cover with that um uh some of those trees that have been pulled down, especially really big ones. Uh, and following some of those cuts, we had some windstorms that pulled down even more because, you know, these some of these more mature trees are exposed and that that's made for some really hot bedding areas, um, even with hardwoods. Yeah, very, very good. All right, guys, well, thanks for your time tonight. I hope folks picked up a thing or two that they can begin to implement either into their habitat plan or into their late season hunting. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you found this helpful, do us a favor and leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram at whitetail underscore partners, on Facebook, Whitetail Partners LLC, on YouTube by simply searching Whitetail Partners, or online at whitetailpartners.com.